A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live... F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by MissedApexPodcast.com. We live F1. I'm your host, Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going there, buddy? Well, to be honest with you, I think my body's still trying to figure out what time zone it is temporarily living in, because, of course, it's on in the dead middle of the night for us. But aside from that, it was a great deal of fun to watch and somewhat less fun to have to write about simultaneously. Yeah, so you're like staying up till after midnight to try and get your report out. But hey, look, after all the negativity, everyone panicking in Australia that there'd be there'd be no overtaking, racing was dead. After all that, this was a, a proper great F1 race. I mean, I, I just really enjoyed watching it. Yes, I just I don't want you to get too excited because in the post race interviews. They asked Ricardo, so is this it? Is Red Bull properly number three now? Are you are you guys fighting or is it track dependent? And he paused and his smile almost disappeared and he goes, track dependent. Yeah, and condition so, dependent so we, as well. A, a little sprinkling of grease, I reckon, and they're right back in it. Absolutely. So any any races with changing conditions, we can expect to see this kind of awesome racing. Outside of it, it's going to be the Ferrari Mercedes show, pretty much. Yeah, everyone do a rain dance. But remember Two weeks ago, when Ferrari won, you know, due to a Merck strategy error, and the internet declared that Ferrari was all-powerful, and I was wrong and an idiot. So so now the opposite has happened. I'm just going to sit here and patiently await the internet's humble apology. Uh, to be fair, the internet is still on about that wrong and idiot thing, despite who won the race. We are an independent podcast hosted by MissedApexPodcast.com. We aim to bring you your race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or in the car and at work. Matt, let's bring some fine guests on. Let's. Joining us this week is Autosport Journalist, published Autosport Journalist, Lean Angle Podcast host. It's Chris Stevens. How's it going, Chris? Hey, yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, I'm very tired after the the weekend's action, but yeah, yeah, I'm uh, 
enjoying the weekend. Did you stay up and report on FP1 and uh, qualifying, uh, sorry, and FP3 in the middle of the night? I uh, I think the only report I haven't done this weekend was the FP1 uh, report. But I still got up and watched it. And also we have racing karting extraordinaire, Alex Cloggy Jeansy Van Jean. How's it going, Alex? I am all good. How are you, Spanish? Well, I'm good. I'm glad you're here because unfortunately Bradley Philpot got delayed in traffic on the way back from racing some kind of tin top. We were really looking forward to having him back on, especially with the, the real racing action that's happened this week. So you are going to have to take us uh, through the ins and outs of how the racing went down from a racer's point of view this week, Alex. It'll be my absolute pleasure because I thoroughly enjoyed this morning and then spent the rest of the day building a shed. Not a podcasting shed, unfortunately. Just a normal shed. Let's talk about some quality. So much to talk about, Matt, this week, but we would be remiss to, to skip qualifying this weekend because it was a fascinating indictment of where we are this year with the with the battles and with the outright performance. A genuine challenge in qualifying, something like, what, 0.18 seconds off the pace. Sebastian Vettel, second, really, really challenging the Mercs. Yes, absolutely. Or as I like to call qualifying this week, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, yeah, the good news, the the gap from Ferrari to Mercedes came down from Australia to China. And yeah. as you mentioned, Vettel in particular, Kimi again doesn't seem to be quite on his car. He was complaining about understeer all weekend long, whether it was understeer in his brain or understeer in his actual vehicle. You know, we can leave up to the viewers there. But it's clear that Ferrari have mounted a proper challenge to Mercedes and they're not going to get around get by loafing around the track as they have done in the previous two seasons. The bad news was the gap from Raikkonen to Ricardo. In the dry, it was almost a second from P4 to P5. That's not really good at all. But I think, Alex. At least it's not um, one and a half seconds to P2 or P3 like it has been for the previous few years. So we still got to take it as a positive that there's still... All that going on. Yeah, we'd love Red Bull to be in it, but I think they'll catch up later in the year. But um, at least that gap is four cars back. Yeah, I was going to say, back. which one would you choose, Matt? If you, if you had to have a gap, you'd, you'd, choose to, you'd choose to have at least a competition for the front few places or the front two teams at least. You need competition for the podium. Without that, the race becomes boring to watch. And we've How many got- teams are on the podium today? And that's good. Got that. And that's good. We've got competition for the top spot, regardless of the conditions. And that's good. And that's good. The gap to everyone but Ferrari and Mercedes is the bad. And of course, we all know what the ugly was. Uh, would that be a certain young Giovinazzi? Yeah, really, really unlucky. It's a shame for him because, I mean, we could talk about it now or a little bit later. He just, the shine has come off with all the positivity he'd brought through from Australia to then bin it twice over the race weekend. Uh, and that can't have been cheap either. Ooh, no, no. You, you know that Ericsson is not pleased about some of the checks he's writing at the moment. Yeah, because that's, that's right, isn't it? It's all Ericsson money that's funding his much more talented, faster teammates. Yeah, Chris. Chris has an opinion, everybody. Hang on. I, I don't actually know if I'm allowed to say this, so never mind. <laughs> do it. Do it or be judged forever. Use the word, words alleged or I heard. To insulate yourself from potential legal damage, my young friend. <laughs> what, what I will say 
is that um, you know, in defence of Giovinazzi, um, you know, he's he's done two two races now, and in both of those races, he had no Friday running. Yeah, this time around, it was the same for everybody, but when you're only in your second Grand Prix, then you know that makes all the difference. So I'm not really surprised that um, he had a more difficult weekend. No, it's actually not surprising at all. In fact, what was surprising was he did as well in Australia as he did. But it certainly killed the narrative he had going and the momentum he had going, whether fairly or not. That's the way things go a lot of times for these drivers. And it's not always their fault. And in fact, you know, if it's if it's the fault of anything, it's how the media center is designed and the way water comes off it and soaks the track right there, because that's what you know, in qualifying, I guess, what did him in? So Baja in the chat room says, you guys are being hard on Giovinazzi. Max did the same thing in Monaco last year. In fact, he crashed three times. I was going to say, what happened to Giovinazzi this weekend and last weekend is typical what happens to a highly expected rookie, which is he goes and has one good race. The whole hype train gets massively behind him and then pressure or a really tricky race in really tricky race cars happens and he has a and he has a howler every rookie has them every single one of them on the grid every single world champion has had hard weekends and i don't the, diss giovinazzi he's made he made he made the mistake the same mistake twice yeah which isn't great but it's an easy mistake to make and i'm not going to judge him too harshly he gets a couple of races the problem is you say he gets a couple of races uh when when max did it in monaco he had his race seat giovinazzi doesn't have a race seat this was his this was his golden opportunity to have a solid race. All he had to do was beat, for goodness sake, Marcus Ericsson. He could have dialed it down to 80% and still looked good for that seat. I still think that if Verline, for whatever reason, is unavailable for the rest of the season, uh, then Giovinazzi is, is the person they will call in. If Giovinazzi wants that seat, the rest is down to Verline. I'm willing to bet there's something to do with Ferrari engines costing a little bit less um, while uh, Gio's in that seat. Matt, though, was it not fairly impressive from Valtteri Bottas to get within 1.8? I know we're kind of damning him with faint praise going, wasn't it great that he did a close second? But it was a close second. So he wasn't miles off the pace. No, no, he was he was well inside uh, the margin that we typically saw to Rosberg when Hamilton was on and Rosberg was off. So up until the actual race, I'd say Botas was doing exactly, exactly what he was brought in to do, which was to pretty much be like a Rosberg, but without as much chance of running Lewis neck and neck. Yeah, Chris. I think when you compare it to Lewis's lap as well, which was something pretty special, I mean, that, that is about as close to a perfect lap as you're going to see. So when you kind of take that into account as well, yeah, Valtteri is actually doing a pretty good job. No one's arguing that he isn't. And in fact, I would say he was doing exactly what was expected of him and perhaps slightly better than they anticipated and qualify. Well, I mean, what I've been seeing a lot on social media is, uh, you know, a lot of negativity towards Bottas even before the race. Okay. But that's well, I- media for you. Well, you know, all those Rosberg fans are, are probably just upset that he's doing as well as Rosberg did. And, you know, they're very devoted to their Nico and, you know, they get very passionate. Sometimes they don't even argue logically. Go figure. 
let's have a little bit of an argument. You might agree with me on this. There was penalties handed out to Roman Grosjean in particular um, for uh, basically not slowing down enough past the Giovinazzi uh, incident. And I, I, for one, I watched it on board. And for me, it absolutely, 100%, it looked like he was almost, yes, he might have lifted off a little bit, but he looked like he was coming around that corner thinking, if there's a way I can salvage this somehow and keep my speed up, you know, I'm going to do it. The rest has showed him shifting up the gears as he's going past that. For my mind, when you've got an instant like that, you should your 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 mind should completely disappear from any kind of pace and speed. You shouldn't even be accelerating. You should be really literally ready to stop for an instant on track. And I felt that that, that penalty was probably fair, and we should have learned by now that this is what you're meant to do. Also judge the FIA for just not doing a red flag straight away. Uh, but, you know, what's your take on it? You know, because he tweeted his telemetry out saying, no, no, I, I did slow down. It was a harsh penalty. Well, here's my take. There's a reason I'm under consideration for a Formula E seat this summer in Brooklyn, and you are not. If you've looked at Grosjean's actual telemetry, he very clearly demonstrated a 45 kilometer per hour drop in his pace. Now, at the speeds at which they're running, let's call it maybe 200 kilometers an hour, that's a significant percentage. Last year, you were required to slow by 10%. At 200 kilometers an hour, that's 20 kilometers an hour. He doubled that margin. And as far as ready to stop is, I think a lot of people just miss how quickly the cars can stop. A certain amount of that speed has to be left to the driver. But I would say a 45 kilometer per hour drop is a clear indication that they're aware of the situation and looking out for it. And there's no way he's going to better his time losing that much pace. So I don't get the penalty. And furthermore, it's still on the FIA. It was clearly called for last year that any situation like that red flag should be thrown. It was not thrown. That's what needs to be looked at. I don't think you can blame the drivers for this one. They did what they were supposed to do. Yeah, Chris. I think it says a lot that, you know, even the drivers still get confused about what is classed as a significant drop in pace. Yes. Or what, you know, what is expected of them. And some people were saying, well, the checkered flag had already come out, so they can't red flag the session. They can still red flag the session at that point. They can do whatever they want. And if, you know, it would have completely neutralized the session. It would have stopped people from completing their laps they would have had to have gone straight to the pits so i am a little bit confused about their decision on that one i i i kind of i understand the penalty but i i think uh the circumstances were wrong yeah in other words what this amounts to is the fia saying we're now going to change the rules and you two are going to be made examples of so everybody understands how much the rules are changing i i feel like if you look at the actual language in the international sporting code it says slow and be prepared to stop. And I feel like if you look at the onboards, if Grosjean had needed to stop, he could have stopped. And if that's not enough, then the drivers need to be explicitly told what, you know, more directly, what is expected. Because he gave far beyond what was previously in the rules, according to his telemetry. Absolutely, I agree. So I think that does fall on the FIA mostly. It just just felt like he was still driving aggressively past that. But yeah, I think technically you're absolutely correct. All right, guys, let's move on. Because you can call in. Where is it? You said you'd be home. You can call in. We're going to take calls later in the show. If you want to do that, 
just find me on Skype, Spanners Ready. Just need your app and one of those little dangly headphone things with the inline mic. Call in, uh, tell us what you think. But let's move on to the race because that is this week's Big Dirty News. We had a race, Matt, and we had a good one. Tell us about that start. Oh, the start was so exciting. Well, first of all, for everyone who's a Lewis Hamilton fan, he got a good one, finally. Or again, or as expected, depending upon who you believe from last season. And well, but, this yeah, is he, it. He was, on it. he was on it. But what was interesting about the start was Vettel. Vettel was not on it. Not by which I mean he didn't start the race well, but like literally he was not in his grid spot hardly at all but not ahead of it laterally to the point where it was looked, it was said to be looked at by the FAA. Do you, you have any more on that, Chris? Um, all I know is it was investigated and no uh, penalty was found, but um, we, we did get some information in the WhatsApp group earlier that apparently in this sort of uh, circumstance, there isn't actually a, a regulation about it. I don't think they ever thought somebody would want to be on the side of their grid spot. Well, this is it. Blackout19 in the chat room is saying the driver steward said there's no ruling for side to side, only the front line. Uh, but he also said he wouldn't get away with it a second time. So I think it's one of those things. It's like, it's so rare. No one has actually decided to, to start on the side apart from, wasn't there a race in the damp? last year where Ricciardo moved off the wet patch and Hamilton didn't think he could. So he just sort of planted it in the wet patch and got a poor start. Yeah. And I, and I think pretty much their response to that was, well, yes, of course you can light up to the side of a damp patch if there's a damp patch on your grid spot. So, so if they say he won't get away with it again, then they've literally just reversed what yeah. they said. It's, it's almost like there's absolutely no consistency in the uh, rule book at all. Is that you would think, <laughs> You would think, but it does give us plenty to argue about. So I don't want to be looking that gift horse in the mouth too much. And uh, Othnell in the chat room is saying that's because it's the Ferrari International Association is what FIA stands for. <laughs> and uh, they're not going to sit and ruin Ferrari's race just because he's off to the side. It does make you think like how far off to the side he would have had to have gone. Like if he'd have slotted himself in between Hamilton and Bottas, would they say, well, you know, there's no side to side rule. It's, it's just the, the front rule. Yeah, I, I've seen that in other sports, too. I've seen it in hockey before where someone showed up and literally just like stood in front of the goalie and smacked him in the face and turned out there wasn't a rule against it. And then after that game, there was a rule against it. So, you know, <laughs> sometimes you just people find loopholes and it is what it is. OK, then so let, let's go through the, the chaos at the start. It's very, very interesting start because, uh, first of all, there was an incident between Perez and a new boy, Lance Stroll. And we will we will play a game of whose fault is that soon enough. Um, uh, and that caused the virtual safety car. So we can start with whose fault is this chat room? I want you to join in. Now, guys, we have to remember that in the courtroom of Spanners, there is no racing incidents. We always have to assign blame. Whose fault is this is from my wife. This is how she runs our marriage. As soon as anything goes wrong, before solving the problem, before escaping the fire, we have to establish why and how it's my fault. So let's start with you, Chris Stevens. Really was wishing that Bradley Philpott was going to be on for this one. Whose fault was that incident, given we can't have a racing incident? I'm saying Perez. Okay, it, it, I mean, it was a racing incident, but for oh. the sake of this, I will... <laughs> uh, I will uh, well, see, the thing is, um, you know, if you're in Stroll's position, you can't see an awful lot out of your mirrors, and 
I think the last thing you would expect is a car trying to go side by side um, with you through turn 10 at the start of the race. Um, so I think Perez was maybe slightly ambitious in his um, maneuver. Um, so yeah, if I, because I have to give, you know, I have to apportion blame, do. I yeah. will say Perez, but it was a racing incident. Can't you put I... me in an awkward position. If I agree with you, I disagree with Spanners, which I want to do. But I also want to disagree <laughs> with you. So is there like a third side? I could, could it be both their faults? Uh, that's what I'm going to go with. It's no, you have to align yourself with me and admit that I'm right and your best friend. Yes. Okay. Whatever. Um, I don't know. If it was V8 Australian supercars, Perez would be at fault. Period. Chug it up the inside, get hit. It's your fault. Mm. And that, that, that kind of is like the onus is on the overtaker. But we're not in V8 supercars. And if there's anything that's been clear to me beyond belief is that if you're on the inside and you're headed to an apex, if the person outside closes the door and there's contact, it's rarely going to be their fault. It's clear the ruling is you have to be situationally aware and leave room for the other car. And honestly, it's not like Perez was just barely alongside him. He was fully alongside him coming out of the previous turn. And had dropped back a little bit in the braking zone because, of course, being on the inside, he needed to brake sooner. Stroll just lost lost track of him, I think, because he's a rookie and inexperienced. And certain drivers on the grid now, I'm not going to name names, Romain Grosjean, had a terrible <laughs> time with this when they first got started. Some of them even got sent. Some of them- oh, my God. Wait, just wait. Alex, we can hear your live stream coming through. And honestly, it's not- off. Jesus Christ. You you the have you have Samson this stream. Sorry, I'm really yeah. sorry, guys. At least you can hear me now. Yeah. The only good thing about that is I sound even more cleverer <laughs> than I thought I did. Okay, okay, so um, so we've got Alex back, and we are, we are doing uh, whose fault is this? Let's just go through a little bit of what the chat room are saying. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Anna Hassel in the chat room says, "Well, I haven't seen it, but Perez, which is uh, which is great, uh, on the gas is saying <laughs> racist. Uh, racing incident, which is." Uh, deliberately misunderstanding uh, the, the point of the game. Clara has a much better appreciation of, of it saying it's both their faults. I mean, I can get on, I can get on board with that. Double the amount of blame is absolutely fine. I think most of the people are saying it's Perez, but Blackout is saying that Stroll turned in on Perez. Uh, he got no penalty because he took himself out. And it, well, I think he got no penalty because they've just decided they're not giving penalty. So no one can talk about them stifling racing and just let them race in whatever fashion they see fit. I know, Chris, you're one of those. Yeah, just let them race, people. Yes, I am, because it works in a lot of other series. I will say this about um, Stroll, though. Driving a lot better than he was in Australia, even though he only had you know one session to work on the car. It looks much, much calmer in the car and actually got into Q3. Yes, that was a brilliant quarter of a lap he did in the race. <laughs> and also not what we're talking about. So minus points for that. Uh, well, Alex gets his video up and running. Uh, why don't I just say that I think you said he dropped back a little bit. But I think it was clear he was certainly the car behind. So they're not going side by side abreast into that corner. Perez has made that decision to break later to get in, whereas Stroll is obviously being slowed down by the train in front of him. So I always find it unfair. So basically, Stroll's options are he either has to take every corner with a car's width on the inside in case somebody decides to to jump in there on the train, 
or he has to drive on the inside of every every single corner. So I do have sympathy for them because, you know, the rules aren't laid out to say what you can and can't do. But in this situation, it really just felt like Perez says, well, I'm just going to break later, hope I get to that apex before Lance Stroll, which he didn't. He broke later, he got to the apex when Stroll was pretty much already there. And as far as I can see, Perez effectively drove into Lance Stroll. I'm going to disagree with your assessment of the incident in terms of your description of it. But I think we may have an already winner of comment of the week. Yes. Matthew Graff in the chat room suggests that the real problem was that it was Obama's fault. Thanks a lot, Obama. Alex, can you hear us? No, he's still not there. Wow. Ah, oh, wow. Alex has really sansoned this stream, hasn't he? He really has. Okay, really- so. Right. So uh, from watching Perez on board, he was alongside of, alongside of Stroll from the previous corner, and his front wheel was always well in front of Stroll's rear wheel. And, and Stroll's rear wheel and his front wheel are what made contact at the next turn. So the idea that he was behind him at any point, I think, is misleading. Okay. The people didn't get to see the onboards. It wasn't like that at all. He was he was inside and alongside him from the previous turn all the way up. And he made progress up and then began to drop back as they approached the turn. But he never got his front wheel back out from alongside him. Okay, good. So we all agree I'm right. Well, moving on a little bit, this is where it really got interesting for the race and the championship because obviously the guys were on interchangeable uh, conditions. There was a bit of a gamble. Signs gambled and went out on slicks and really, really benefited from everyone coming in, Chris. Yeah, I mean, do you know how much will spin he got um, off the line? He was completely swamped by the field, yeah. went wide at turn one, yes. spun at turn three as well. But I, it, it did work as he finished seventh. That was amazing. Yeah, so what I heard was signs after the race. Apparently, they were going to send him out on the wets. And Signs was like, no, 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 no. You must send me out on the slick tires. And they're like, but dude, it's wet. He's like, no, 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 no. Send me out, send me out, send me out. And then he immediately spun and he was all the way at the back of the field. It worked out. But after the race, he came up to Marco, who, who was like, you know, good call. Like the gamble worked. And he goes, if you could have seen your face, but I knew <laughs> I was right. <laughs> it was like, it was the, the team did not want him to do that at all. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very brave call and uh, and well sort of hung in there. Oh, oh, it's a shame that Kvyat ended up uh, retiring. So, you know, we couldn't get a real assessment on how well he raced after that. But certainly tactically, you know, he rolled the dice and he went well. The, the only question I would have is, uh, oh, obviously. You should be on mute when you do that, Jeansy. Sorry. Apologies. And, uh, I don't know what's going on. My Skype's playing funny games, but we're working now. Um, yeah, so it would have been nice if we'd have had a direct comparison to Kvyat to just see uh, how good that was. But, uh, you know, in, it, it's worked out this time. Um, but you have to just bear in mind that for that tactic to have worked, you really did need the virtual safety car and then a real safety car. So still, you know, it's still a low probability gamble, but he took the gamble and this time it's paid off. And, you know, it's very much uh, like the Jensen Button rolls of the dice. Had it not paid off, we wouldn't be talking about him today. But, Fair play on him making that gamble because we got to see a hell of a lot more of that beautiful Toro Rosso uh, on screen. And it's still surprising me every time it turns up on track, on camera, doing well, just how stunning that livery really is. But yes, of course, the most important thing is the actions of Sebastian Vettel in the virtual safety car. He thinks this is the time we've got to come in now. 
he doesn't obviously know there's going to be a real safety car. So he's thinking it's not a free pit stop, but it's a cheaper pit stop for him to come in and get the slick tires map. Significantly. Like uh, generally pitting under the virtual safety car will probably half your pit stop window. So given their proximity to Mercedes and the fact that, that I think the Delta was around 20 seconds, 21 seconds, that 10 seconds for them puts them ahead of Hamilton when he comes in for his pit stop. Mm-hmm. If no safety car, yeah. if they didn't get stuck in, in any traffic. But again, with the virtual safety car, the gaps are the gaps. So you can look backwards and you have more time to hit those gaps. Yep. So yep. it was really a brilliant call. It was the only call for Ferrari because they were in second place on the road. It was the right call to come in for the virtual safety car. But as you point out, the f- the safety car that followed yeah. completely destroyed their strategy. Yeah. Not, I mean, not terribly, because after all, where, where did Vettel finish? Oh, that's right. He finished in second. So it's not like they lost anything other than, of course, the race win because of the safety car. Yeah. So what obviously what caused that was Giovinazzi again uh, dropping it. But the real a big loser, of course, was uh, Mercedes teammate Valtteri Bottas, who he ended up getting stacked. And that's what I missed the first time round. I was like, how did he end up in that position in the first place? Um, because he actually got stacked waiting for Hamilton, then obviously lost places. So, you know. Yeah. How far did he drop back? When he got stacked, he was in what position was he in when he got st- when the stack happened? Well, I think he was second, and then he got pushed back to sixth, if I'm remembering correctly. Where was he? Yeah. Where was he positions corrected though? Second. So he was He's... genuinely second on the road. Yeah, because Vettel and Raikkonen so he was third did the virtual safety car. But Fine. what happened because of the Giovinazzi accident was that the entire field was brought through the pit lane, and because it was the first lap of the safety car. Hamilton still had enough of a gap to pull into his stall, get tires and get back out ahead of the rest of the field. So, I mean, you know, sometimes you're good. Sometimes you're lucky. Sometimes you're lucky and good. And just this particular Sunday, uh, Hamilton was both. This is what happened when my skybox crashed. I missed the whole pit stops during the um, during that. So I missed that. But to be fair, it doesn't matter what he did. Because his biggest error was was you can't spin when you're warming up your tires. I mean It's bad, isn't it? God. It's so bad. It's so bad. I mean, in all honesty, I've done it before in a wet race. <laughs> but I was on slick tires on a go-kart track and I'm not a Formula One driver. Um yes, but you know very, who, very, very early in my career. Who is a Formula One driver, a very successful Formula <laughs> One driver who did that at the exact same track a few years Maybe ago. Cool Michael oh. Schumacher. I remember Shumi. I remember DC doing it somewhere. Michael Schumacher dropped it under a safety car in China. Ah, and that's a nice one. I didn't know that. And frankly, do you know what? It's it's so easy. To do. It's very easy for the, us and the fans to sit here at home and oh, what an idiot! He spun under the safety car going sixty miles an hour. No, I'm sorry. It was very cold. The tires were cold. He was trying to get heat into his tires. It's very easy to overdo it. Yes, it is a bit. It's a very clumsy thing to do. I'm not trying to you know defend him but i don't think he deserves the slack that everyone's given him what really hurt him was the seconds but while he was trying to recover the second spin he ended up yeah getting back onto the grass again which was a little bit unfortunate um i don't know if you guys mentioned this when i was off but did you guys see science getting back on the track after he spun on lap one carry on oh. 
I, I didn't uh, see it. I knew he had a spin, and that was why so he dropped all the way He had that. his spin on lap one, and then as he t- spun back round onto the circuit, he actually hit the barrier on the grass trying to get back onto the circuit. But the thing, the question I want to ask, though, is if Bottas had still been in the Williams, would this just be a funny moment? And now he's being judged because he's at the big show. Oh, I think he would have been judged even in a Williams. It's just too funny not to remark on. <laughs> it was, but it just—it's just compounding it. He's got to. He needs a. He needs. He needs a weekend to beat Lewis. Yeah, and he needs it soon, really, because reputations can can slip very, very quickly. And if he starts getting this reputation of just being the clear number two, within he's going to lose the team. He's going to lose the pit wall, and it's going to become no brainers when it comes to strategy calls. There's going to be gonna... no let's keep it even. There's going to be no let's do all we can to get to get Lewis to the front. It's going to hit his confidence as well, because if all of a sudden he goes, I can't beat this guy. As soon as that's in your head, you're done. And as we said last week, he has a one year contract, one year, and at the moment. He's not looking good enough to be sort of instantly signed up to what the next step is. It's probably a three-year deal. At the moment, I don't think he's getting that, but that's opinions. Is he, is he not already losing the team, though? Because his engineer called him Nico. <laughs> <laughs> that was like, brilliant. It's like when you accidentally call your girlfriend by your ex's name. That's awkward. Do you know, my that... wife, for the first three years of our, my, our relationship, I did call her Emma, which isn't her name, which is my ex-girlfriend's name, for, for about three years. Uh, and she was very understanding and forgiving. So How I... are you still married? I no How are you still alive? Yeah, it's not like... Jesus! Yeah, like it's not like she's unattractive either. Like she could have done a significantly better. I think people are mistaking the reason Botas is on the team. He wasn't brought in to win. He was brought in to not lose. That's what I'm thinking. What were you thinking, Chris? Well, I was pretty much. Well, I, I wouldn't go as, as far as saying he was brought in to to not win at what not lose, as as you put it. But I think the team very much already had. Uh, Lewis as a number one in mind because let's face it Valtteri coming in and challenging for the world championship straight away is a highly unlikely scenario they knew that if they were going to be challenging for the championship it would be with Lewis and you know what we say about you know the strategy calls pretty much the vast majority of the time unless Lewis is well out of it they're always going to be in Lewis's favor now Uh, Alex, respond to On The Gas who says my understanding is Bottas is new to the team and just completed his second weekend with them Still adjusting to the team? When you step up to a big team, the team that's at the front and has a title-winning team, you have to finish. If you're going to finish behind your teammate, you've got to finish right behind your teammate and can't make silly rookie mistakes. It was I mean, a rookie spinning, mistake. Yeah. Spinning under a safety car like that, you'd expect it from Stroll. You'd expect it from Giovinazzi. You don't expect it from Bottas, who's been in the, in the sport for four years. Okay, let's get an update from Patrick Green, who is our dedicated fantasy GP coordinator for the Missed Apex Team League. Wrong, but first, how's it going, Patrick? It's going good, guys. Can you uh, can you see me okay? I cannot see you, but I can hear you, so that will do. Let's okay. start with <laughs> the most important part of the fantasy GP. Am I beating Matt Trumpets? Well, let's go ahead and find out. Uh... Matt Trumpets is currently in 55th place in the Friends League with Team Glory Lasts Forever with 259 points. And Spanners of Spanners Ready Racing is currently in 
drum roll, Ooh. 29th place with 280 points, which I have to say, wow, that's, not that's bad. pretty impressive. Out of how many? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We have we have 204 people now too, so that's just I mean that's that's a genuinely that really impressive uh, thing. So well done. And how are you doing, Patrick? Uh, obviously, you're winning within your household. No, no, my my, my wife is destroying me. Uh, she's currently uh, she's in Spanners' neck of the woods right now. She's like she actually so she nailed the podium today completely perfectly, uh, and I I got I got nothing. I was so close on the safety cars, and then they counted the virtuals as regular ones, and I. I lost out. Also, I want to note quickly for everybody playing that uh, it is now that you'll incur a penalty now if you do more than uh, 10 trades from now to the rest of the season. So starting with Bahrain, we have no longer this unlimited, you know, trading season, the silly season kind of thing. So, you know, be ready for some uh, some intense scoring deficits to come up. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we've got to like consider it like engine management and and save it throughout the team so uh so let's finish up with how uh, a few of the the rest of our crew are getting on and then how people can join the league uh i've noticed that the table is being propped up by ryan ferret ferris in dead last place yeah 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 ferret's not doing great there's also suspiciously there's two accounts with ferret in the title um and both of them are right at the bottom so (laughs) I, i i think that doesn't bode very well for how he's doing uh, but I have to say, uh, Mr. Van Jean's doing pretty well. Uh, he's currently in 60th place with 255 points, putting him only four points behind Trumpets. But again, Spanners, you're just uh, you're running away with this one right now. You're you know 29th place. And top of our league is suspiciously, and I'm going to call a big fat BS on this. Uh, Fancy GP is run by BadgerGP.com. <laughs> top of the league is the Badger GP editor, Craig Norman. So I am calling absolute fix, and I may even consider just booting him out of our league altogether. Yeah, he's number one. Yeah. And congratulations to Josh Covey, who's saying he's ninth place in our league. So. Uh, Patrick, it's it's a great amount of fun. It's actually a great way to judge, you know, putting our money where our mouth is, our reputations on the line, if you'd like. How can people join in our league and add to the 204 friends of Missed Apex we have in that league? Yeah, let's make it to 300, guys. It's uh, it's fantasygp.com. Go to friends. Go to wrong, but first. Type it in and type in 839783. That's 839783. And uh, again, starting in Bahrain, it's going to get pretty tough. So let's do it. Thanks for your time, Patrick. We'll see you next Thanks, week. All right. See you then. Bye. Awesome, Matt. I'm beating you. Uh, you're going to lose long term, so I'm not worried about it. And besides which, I match my number, and that's more important anyway. Style over substance. Yeah, Chris. Uh, before we move on, I did want to make a pitch in for comment of the week. Uh, Baha Mutiamat says, finally, someone makes sense. Chris. So I thought we'd pitch that in. I, I don't Surely like he gets it. kicked out the live Yeah, I was going to say, I might have to block him from that. And that can't be how you pronounce that name. I pronounce it Bahamutia. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's very easy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So why don't, why don't we uh, move on to uh, one of the, the key talking points, which is DRS. Uh, its role it's taken, the overtakes in general, which I think were fantastic. We've obviously got quantity over quality. Before I hand that over to the panel, I want to say a massive thank you to the patrons who support us at www.patreon.com. Patreon.com. Search Missed Apex Podcast. Please consider helping support the show that brings you a show that hopefully you enjoy. Uh, if you'd be willing to go there and give us a, a tip jar donation, we're talking micro payments, a dollar, two, maybe three. If you're a fancy millionaire, a thousand. It means nothing to you. Uh, all the patrons, though, uh, however, are invited to join our Slack group. 
uh, where we talk F1. Apparently, we talk about food guns quite a lot, worryingly, due to our US contingent. It's generally a good time and a good place to be. So I would appreciate anyone. Um, it makes my day when we get people supporting us on Patreon. Thank you very much for your consideration. Let's get back to DRS, Chris, and why it's working, why it hasn't worked in the past. But here in China, it really seemed to do the job of just putting the cars in the right place to fight. Yeah, we've become so accustomed to drivers just cruising up to the back of people and breezing past with the DRS that uh, having seen the race today, a lot of people were saying the DRS isn't working. Um, But you've got to remember what DRS is for. It's an overtaking aid. It's not supposed to complete the overtake for you. It's supposed to put you in a position to overtake and allow the driver to complete the pass. And um, I mean, I'm... No, no denying it. DRS is less effective this season. I don't know why, because theoretically, well, uh, logically, you would say there is more downforce. So there is more downforce to dump when you open the DRS. So maybe that's uh, one for summers on the next uh, tech time. But oh, what no. we're getting instead is proper overtaking. Yeah, well, I think one thing also to bear in mind is that the length of the DRS is set by the FIA at each track. And how long the DRS stretch is has an obvious impact on how much overtaking can be done under that. And it may be that we're starting to see the effect of Ross Braun's suggestion. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We know he's not a huge fan of it starting to winnow out a little bit how easy it is to get by just using DRS. But a corollary to that or a point you could also think is, wow, what if they kept the wings as they were and just gone to these new tires? You might be looking at being able to get rid of DRS altogether because the aero wash was about a second, second and a half behind. But as we saw with with Vettel on Raikkonen, Unlike in years past, your tires wouldn't crumble after a lap, staying close until you get a chance to to get by. And those passes 
even though there were fewer of them, were so much higher quality that you it was you you know you see the tension building as the gap comes down, and then the inevitable multi multi lap multi corner battle to get by a lot more entertaining to watch. Yeah, Chris, I cannot agree more about you know the the purity of the overtake. There is not really any kind of DRS overtakes that I can remember looking at and thinking, wow, that is something. I've seen two in this single race that I'm definitely going to be nominating for overtake of the year at the end of the season. Yeah. But that tells you everything you need to know. I, I think it was something special. Watching watching Sebastian Vettel getting past um, his ailed teammate, his aged teammate, Kimi Raikkonen, uh, who was, yeah, frankly, he was at sea today. But what you saw was a guy of slightly faster ability, struggling and really having to race and cultivate an overtake over well over 10 laps. So maybe we'd like to have seen it a bit quicker. Then he had to go and see the same thing with Ricardo, Alex, Ricciardo, and ending up banging wheels. It was just, it was fantastic. Proper, proper racing. And I'm sure that's what you guys have to do on a kart track is, you know, really eke out that those overtaking maneuver corners or even laps in advance. Well, this is the whole thing. Everybody wants to see, everyone thinks they want to see slap bang cars just overtaking at every single corner. And as I've said dozens of times, F1 isn't, isn't ever been like that. And part of the excitement of an overtake is sometimes how long it takes. Cruising up at two seconds a lap and overtaking easily isn't difficult because you've got that overspeed. But when you've got two cars exactly the same or two cars very, very similar, um, you have to pick your point. So what I think we're going to see this year is we are going to see much less overtaking. There's no denying that but what we're going to see is much much better overtakes like Ricciardo and Vettel that was fantastic that was some of the best wheel-to-wheel stuff I've seen in the last few years that was absolutely brilliant Ricciardo didn't want to give Vettel any more than he had to and they bang wheels and the paint went off the tires but no damage no one moaned Vettel didn't cry someone hit Vettel and he didn't cry on the radio I was (laughs) staggered um because no, he was um, having fun. You could just tell that he was really <clears throat> relishing that as well. And and it shows a lot about him that, yeah, the race win was probably taken away from him. It's not his fault. Nothing you can do. Batten down the hatches, really go for it and try. And he seemed to just really concentrate on that battle. And he's just really impressed me today. He's gone up miles and miles in my estimation. Won't go that far. I really agree. And I'll tell you what, Ricardo, he knew exactly what he was doing when he was squeezing over uh, Vettel to the inside of the track. However, I do think we still need to address the issue of aero because, like you say, Alex, cruising up to the back of someone at two seconds a lap, overtaking should be easy. But we're talking about the Ferraris and the Red Bulls as if they were an equal and they just weren't. Red Bull were uh, 40 seconds off the lead uh by the end of the race so really vettel getting past the two balls should have been a lot easier than it was well part of that was he was held up by his own teammate for several laps we didn't get to see what he would have done to verstappen because verstappen decided to drive straight instead of turn right i mean admittedly because his super softs were done at that point um so i don't know how easy it would have been for Vettel. Raikkonen was suffering with understeer, so he couldn't get close enough through the medium and high-speed turns leading to the long back straight for the DRS to be effective enough for him to get by there. That was his thing. And that's why you saw Vettel get by him. 
though early on, but it was several laps and it definitely put a dent in his ability to make a play for the lead. Okay, just a couple of chat room comments there. Patrick Green says, my heart is still pounding from the Vettel Ricciardo moment. Uh, Sandra Reynolds, driver's kiss, uh, that's called. And uh, Bahamuti Yamat, personally, I think Lewis underestimated this year's tyres in Australia. Uh, he had more grip than he thought. So just a bit of racing rust over the winter, which he has now cleared out. I wouldn't call that racing rust as in more just lack of knowledge on 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 the thing and if we're going to go back to australia it was still a strategy call but let's not go backwards because <laughs> um, it's painful anyway um go on matt because i get yelled at for bringing up a topic that literally just finished you want to go back to the whole last race come on yeah but alex copied was a race ago so i'm not getting on with it that's why alex can't possibly <laughs> upset me more this week so that's fine it's honestly you may as well just go all in now it's like when i know i've saturated my wife's irritation i just i can just do whatever i want Awesome. Chris. I, I got to say, Red Bull's decision to use the super soft tire was pretty genius because in those conditions, that super soft tire was working really, really well. And you saw everybody who was on that super soft as soon as the safety car came in, started carving their way through the field. And yeah, it, it meant they would definitely have to do that extra um, pit stop. But the pace advantage they had after that pit stop pretty much encouraged everybody else to, to stop as well. If by genius you mean they had no other choice, then yes, I agree with you completely. <laughs> Red Bull couldn't get the soft tires working in the right temperature window. Let us not forget that the track temperature was 15 degrees at race time compared to 32 at Bali. They were never going to get the soft tires to work. They had no choice. They made the soft tires work. Yes, absolutely. Or the super softs, rather. I'm surprised, soft. anybody, I'm surprised anybody made the soft tire work. Really, I'm uh, surprised they didn't all jump on the super soft tire. Oh, who made it work? Oh, Ferrari and Mercedes. Who has the most downforce? Oh, Ferrari and Mercedes. That's why it worked. The thing with the super soft is they didn't make it work as well as they should have done. I commented in our chat group the second that they went to super softs and everyone else went to softs. I'm like, well, the Red Bulls will be in the lead come five laps, I think I said, because that's how much quicker that tire should have been. But they did. They got ahead of the Ferraris, but they didn't really go anywhere. Um, and that actually just shows how far ahead the Mercs and the Ferraris are. That they were on the much faster tire, and they weren't much faster. Well, I think it was a, I think it was a warm up thing as well, because once once that soft tire was working, it was working pretty well. It was just in that initial uh, stage after the safety car period. Uh, the, the the balls and everybody else on the super soft tire, they had heat almost instantly. You know who else had trouble with tire temperatures? Go on, gas. I I feel like I should know this, and I am frantically running through a list Bottas. of tires in my head. If he was still driving for Williams, the answer would be correct there, Jeansy. Yeah, Williams struggled with tire temperatures. Oh. After the safety car, they were never able to get Mass's tires working right. But that brings up an interesting corollary about the change in the DRS, which is that defending now matters again. Yes. Because after defending from Ocon was also really a lot of fun to watch. So in in many ways, I'm, I'm kind of happy with this new formula. If the field spread can be brought down some, it's going to they will have lucked into something that they were desperately searching for. Okay, boys, it's time for any other business. Matt, it's the battle of the bulls really, really shaping up now. And I've put it down to this. In the wet, Max is king. In the sun, Daniel Ricciardo dominates. Why? 
because Daniel Ricardo is from a sun-baked hellhole where everything's trying to kill you, and Max is from a country that is literally under sea level. This explains everything. I, I, I could not agree with you more. In, in low-grip situations, Verstappen has an ability to drive the car. I mean, let's look at it. He's made up nine places at the start. It's just phenomenal. His poise in Brazil last year, let's also not forget that. And here's the amazing thing. Considering how underpowered and poorly designed their car is, they literally were responsible for almost all of the fun of the race. They motivated all of the strategy that happened, with the exception of uh, Ferrari in the first virtual safety car, simply by the way they drove their race. Chris? I, I can't believe we've we've gone into the show this long and not talked about Max's first lap, because for me it was absolute textbook stuff and the sort of thing that should be demonstrated at driving school. It was so calm and undramatic, just fast. There was nothing, no no big jockeying about, no big things in the steering wheel. It was just doing things a lot better than the cars around him. Let's not forget, though, that, I mean, Helmut Marco did suggest uh, heavily that... Um, that uh that is distracting matt <laughs> i love it i love matt's cat being part of the the podcast live stream um but there was suggestion basically that max had gone for a more wet race setup whereas daniel ricardo was on a dry race setup so surely that goes a long way to explaining max's advantage i mean he's he's gambled on the conditions not just with tires but with his setup as well well according to a lot of engineers there isn't actually so much of a difference between a dry and a wet setup these days and also it, it was wet for four laps they were on the inters for four laps before they changed if anything that if there is you know a wet setup if there is such a thing would have hampered him for the vast majority of the race and i haven't seen that on any you know official means so i'm slightly hesitant over the idea of that it's funny you mention about max being calm and collected on driving around but still going fast that's so much of the karting side coming out of it the whole the big thing with a lot of karting and obviously we all know his incredible background with karting um the whole point is you're so often on slicks in wet conditions obviously they weren't on slicks but um the understand and feel you know it's why Max is so good in the wet. It's why Seb is very good in the wet. It's why Lewis is very good in the wet. All the guys in Formula 1 who've got really good karting backgrounds are all really, really good in the wet. Um, and, yeah, I just think Max just has that confidence. It's that, um, I hate using the term, I really do, but that Senna-esque feel. It was always talked about how great he was in the rain. He just found the grip, and that seems to be what Max is very good at doing chat room is saying why is chris questioning if there's such thing as a wet setup i don't know i think he would just regurgitates things the smarter kids at autosport say now now he's got i've got a back chris i have got a back chris up to be fair i have the last couple of years they've been talking a lot about the fact there isn't that much of a difference in a wet and dry setup here we go uh baha is saying he's a hamfosi but the kid max has huge talent he has a huge talent threshold and patrick saying the way he plays with traction is incredible Uh, but lads you know he really does shine when it's wet so what i want to see really is this same straight fight between the two guys in the out and out dry as well because most races are raced in the dry i've still got my cash on ricciardo being slightly more the complete package at the moment chris i I would like to go back to your comment about how uh, danny would be 
sort of king in the dry. I think towards the end of last season, it very much became even between the two of them. And I think that's more what we're going to see um, this season because uh, for me, Red Bull, they've got the best, the most dynamic and quickest driver pairing on the grid. And that just makes me happy. What we have seen, though, is the ever-glowing smile of Daniel Ricciardo disappear for the last three weeks. haven't really seen him smile. Actually, didn't smile all the way through testing either. Um, yeah. Bless him. And I'm a big, I'm a big, big Ricciardo fan. But, um, yeah, I, I think the pressure is very, very soon going to start to get to him, especially if Max starts to match him in the dry. Alex Van Jean, uh, where can people find you online? Because you are, you are a real racer and you're someone who takes karting very, very seriously and people should listen to you and follow you. Uh, you can find me on at Alex Van Jean on Twitter. Um, I'm not doing a lot of racing at the moment. I'm doing a lot of sim stuff, but um, I'm not doing a lot of actual racing at the moment. Hopefully going to start next month i thought i was going to have a race this month but it's not going to happen and i need to lose a considerable amount of weight before i can get myself back in a cart and represent myself properly see i thought it was just the camera angle of the live stream but okay um yeah no 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 you're looking great you're looking great yeah fresh fuller it's all right my wife's already told me she's not my friend today because i've spent the entire day on our deck and i'm now apparently a different race to what i was this morning a different race. Oh, right. You've got a nice tan on the go. Fantastic. Because uh, I still maintain that you're some sort of Greek. Chris Stevens, your career is going from strength to strength. People can follow you online and uh, at, at C Stevens underscore journal. That I've learned it. I finally bothered to learn it. And, uh, uh, and, you're, and you're still writing stuff uh, for Autosport in their 700 series. Uh, yeah, for the, for the 750 Motor Club. So I've got uh, two race meetings um, for that. Um, this month so yeah keep an eye out for that i'm still doing all the stuff on formula spy as well uh i was doing most of the stuff for them uh this weekend uh actually um and uh, yeah you can also find me on the lean angle podcast talking about all the bike racing that's happening while we're on this show actually so <laughs> you gotta miss it you gotta bad. miss it you gotta miss the it, witchcraft yeah. Uh, see, I have to say witchcraft because I know that some of the patrons are now playing a missed apex drinking game and i know what you're up to uh, and i am going to 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 make sure you spiral towards your drunken, drunken decay. Uh, all right, then, guys. Uh, other any other business chat room? You're going to have to help us out here. Who has a transcript of the Alonso of the Alonso radio calls? Uh, because I think you know Alonso. He you can't tell whether he had a good race or not because his teammate was out. But if you listen to him, he certainly had an amazing race, Matt. Uh, the race of his career, uh, the the best race of his life again. The best race since yeah, Australia 2017. He says. And let's not forget amazing defending and that wonderful battle with signs right yeah, before yeah, his very cool. shaft. Yeah. Yeah. Which I agree. It is amazing how often his car breaks as he's moving backwards through the field, but it still broke later than Van Dorn's did. So I guess at least there's that. Chris. Alonso just continues to amaze me. He keeps putting that car in places it does not deserve to be because reportedly the Honda engine uh, is running out of electrical energy deployment about halfway down that back straight, which just leaves them nowhere in terms of um, speed. Alex looks quite excited. Did you see Bottas go past Alonso down the straight? It was like he was passing a GP2 car. funny that it was amazing the closing speed was incredible down that straight it's like he wasn't even there it's like when you watch the wec and you see like different classes of car passing each other it was it was like it was an outlap for him for him and he was getting out of the way of someone on a qualifying lap it was unreal 
it does kind of put the spotlight on Stoffel Van Dorn. And I worry about Stoffel Van Dorn because it, it seems to be happening all too often in, in F1 at the moment where this amazing young talent will come in and he's so fresh face and full of life and potential. And they end up in a poor car and get outshone by a more experienced teammate. And then that's them on the reject pile all too quickly. And I, I really fear that the same is going to happen to Van Dorn. I, I just, I hope that it's not. Especially when you come in at McLaren, you know, when you come in at a Saab or you come in at a Toro Rosso, you expect to not get the results. But when, when you're a kid growing up, McLaren's a team you want to be with, you know, McLaren's a team that you see yourself aspiring to win championships with. And that's just not going to happen. I don't think we should go into a whole big conversation about how rubbish McLaren are at the moment because we've done it to death, but um, but yeah, it's it's a shame for Stoffel because the boy's got some serious, serious talent. The chat rooms come through with some of the Alonso quotes. I am pushing like an animal. I am quickest on track in the corners. When they said, uh, I can't remember who they said had the fastest lap. He said, well, I'm the fastest in the corners. We need more rain now. Uh, and uh, And also nice of him to report that Bottas had some car damage to show he's looking out for his fellow racer. I have, uh, I have, if, if you want to move move on from that i have a couple of other things uh from kind of the guys at the bottom end of the top 10 um uh, uh, so uh magnuson while we're talking about mclaren rejects uh he was eight for Haas using that super soft tire to, to great effect which is the first time he's actually uh impressed me since his debut and um esteban ocon is quite an interesting one actually because during the safety car um period when they were sort of coming through the uh, pit lane to avoid the Giovinazzi incident, he actually missed a pit stop that he was supposed to have. Uh, that was a bit of a team miscommunication, apparently. And they said that cost him quite a, a significant amount of time, actually. So for him to still finish 10th, quite impressive. Yeah, and if we're going to talk about things at the back, can we also talk about Grosjean and his passing in the end of the race? Yeah, it's a shame he got stuck behind Palmer for so long because he would have been right up in the thick of the action with the Force Indias and uh, Magnuson. He did, he did some really good stuff. That one on uh, Massa, turns one and two, yep. pretty impressive. Absolutely. And the thing is, if you look at Magnuson and the Haas and you look at Grosjean and the Haas and you begin to think that they might be a legitimate, legitimate midfield team this year, whereas last year they were sort of seemed to be more of a flash in the pan and then really struggle. It, it, I think Haas has some real potential, and and we're going to see a lot more of it this year. Yeah, Jeansy. Um, does the ever increasing performance of Haas show how much Ferrari has improved that engine? That's a big chunk of it, but they're also responsible for their own chassis this year, and they're doing a decent job with it. And that was, I think, a lot of people's concern. Everybody knew last year's performance was a lot of borrowed Ferrari stuff. This year, it's a lot more on them outside of the power unit, and it seems to be working pretty good. And that's a good thing for the sport, I'd have to say. Good. And you mentioned mentioned Palmer before, and I'm, I tell you what, Palmer's got to hurry up. He can't wait as long as he did last year to finally get on the pace because he's up against Nico Hulkenberg this year. Yep. And if Agreed. he can, I mean, qualifying wasn't his fault, and. And he was on par to get himself through Q3. So I'm not going to criticize him for qualifying because he just got really unlucky because of Gio's crash. But he's got such a tougher opponent this year. And if he can't, if he can't be within 
two or three tenths of Hulk, he's done for. To be fair to Palmer, he was caught between two strategies in, uh, you know, he had signed to, started on the slick and then everybody else who pitted for slicks during the race, he came in at the end of the formation lap and so had already lost quite a significant amount of time and couldn't quite make that up. And to be fair to him as well, he, he was only a place behind Hulkenberg. Yeah, but how far? And he had a 15 second penalty. That's the thing. That's the that's the thing to go on. Um, and the thing is, I mean, I was watching because I like Julian Palmer. I really want him to do well because um, from everything I've heard, he's a really nice lad. I know he sometimes doesn't come across it on telly and stuff, but through well through Brad because I know Brad knows him. Um, I've heard he's a really nice bloke, but um, he was his pace was never good. The whole race doesn't when he was on fresh tires when he was on worn tires his pace was just never there so um he's got to pick the he can't he can't take as long to get on the ball as he did last year uh he can't and baja says guys stop making excuses palmer is no good i know you guys have a thing for brits uh but he's garbage yeah i mean that is a big part of it if he wasn't british i'm i'm not sure i would be cheerleading him so much but but he is he is one of our brits and we don't have many on the the grid so i i really am hoping uh, that he can get it together. We have a caller on the line, none other than Fortis. Oh my goodness! What you must be a happy man, the the biggest Hamfosi we know on the internet. How is it going, Fortis? Overall, the race was a was a good race. I I did. There was a couple of things in it that I'm I'm still a bit cheesed off. Tell me them. The one being the Seb, the Seb start grid starting position thing, kind of in Japan last year. Um, Charlie basically said, listen, um, after the Ricciardo incident, yep. that he expects everyone to line up in the grid slots. Second, Max. Yes. The, the Max and um, Ricciardo move. Again, I'm still, I still think this whole moving in the breaking zones thing is should be out um, a lot. Yeah, actually, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because I had wanted to get to that before the show was over you know everyone was like we want to see Verstappen against Ricciardo in the dry well we got to see it at the end of the race and it was spectacular but again as you say it was Verstappen defending with his mirrors in a breaking zone to the point where his teammate had to go outside and lock up to not have a collision and I don't know for me I think that's crossing the line a little bit between racing fairly and and really putting someone at a disadvantage. There will be an accident eventually because of that, because someone will not be able to get around to the other side of the car fast enough. And he and the other person are going to be taken out at a fairly high speed. It's just going to be the end. They should have penalized it. They shouldn't let the drivers do that. And it should have been made clear because it absolutely flies in the tradition, you know, the the expected rules, etiquette of driving. Exactly. that, That had been followed, but was unwritten. Fortis, you must be a very, very happy man uh, with your man Lewis Hamilton taking victory and closing up the World Championship drawing level. Is he your driver of the day? It's a toss-up for me because I, th- I thought Sainz had a very good race, despite what happened with the spin. But for him to actually take the decision that, listen, I'm going to start with a slip, his team boss wasn't too happy about it. But he said, listen, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to start with the slick. But I'm going to put on my hand force a cap and I'm going with Lewis. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Fortis. We'll see oh, you by again. The way, by the way, this is what you call a beer. Ah, oh, sick burn as he goes out. See you later, Fortis. All right, let's find out who your things of the week were. Mm-hmm. 
loads and loads of talking points. It's a, a dream race for a podcast, and we could have gone on for two hours. But let's find out, Matt Trumpet, who was your thing of the weekend? Ooh, who was my thing of the weekend? I think my thing of the weekend had to be the weather, because without it, the race wouldn't have been this good. Yes, thank you. Thank you, uh, merciful Poseidon, for providing your moisture on the track. Chris Stevens, what was your thing of the weekend? Thing of the weekend for me is it's, it's going to be science, yeah. Yeah, very impressive. So, but you crediting the tactic or you think he was racing generally well? Because, you know, that that nine times out of ten, that's not going to work, that gamble. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, gambling on a safety car, yeah, uh, in a wet race, a safety car is almost inevitable. So I'd say, yeah, on the balance probability, the way he drove after the first lap uh, and his racecraft as well. Very, very good stuff. Nah, I like Carlos Sainz, but I think think you're you're rewarding a chancer on this occasion. He made Fernando Alonso look like a chump at the hairpin. I could make Fernando Alonso look like a chump driving that Honda if I was in a shopping trolley. So I'm not giving him too much, too much credit for that. Look, we've got to sometimes we've got to address not just the results, but the method. If your kid runs out into the street but doesn't get hit by a car, you don't say, well, well done. You know, it worked on this occasion. You, you address the method and say, don't generally bolt out into the road. Alex Van Jean, my favourite ever panellist. Why don't you tell us who was your thing of the weekend? Um, my thing of the weekend was the Japanese, the Chinese fans who turned up with the biggest, most huge Sebastian Vettel banner and spelt Vettel wrong. That and- was absolutely hilarious. And the great thing was the live feed kept cutting to Vettel, who was laughing his <laughs> backside off in the car because they put two L's at the end of his name and no E. Didn't they eventually have uh, what they had? Did they, they, what did they do? They just, it. Did they just magic marker it so that it was right? Something. But it was. It was just <laughs> such a really amazing, elaborate banner and they just really screwed it up it was hilarious all right we'll really, tell you what still we'll, makes me laugh. we'll add in an extra category this week for overtake uh, of the race um oh hang on i haven't done my thing of the weekend well that was going to be an overtake so i will kick off i will take the obvious one and make my panel of experts scramble around for another uh, it does have to be uh, verstappen a 10 lap sorry verstappen vettel a 10 lap overtake on his teammate Kimi Raikkonen in the same car, not being assisted by DRS and mugging him into turn six. So that that is my thing of the weekend and my overtake of the race. Matt Trumpets, who do you give the overtake of the race to? Rojan on Massa, because dog on it, that was a thing of beauty. Chris Stevens. I'm worried nobody's going to mention Vettel on Ricardo, but I want to annoy you, Spanners, so I'm giving it to Sainz on Alonso. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why don't we give it to Bottas on Alonso while we're at it as well. I can really <laughs> see why Autosport have taken you on board. Fantastic journalism. Van Jean, uh, overtake of the race. What impressed you most? Perez on Stroll. <laughs> no, <laughs> should have been penalised for that. He should have been in the pit lane for a no, drive through I, I missed your conversation on it, but I was listening. But no, I'm still not giving any blame on that. But I wouldn't have made that move up the inside of a rookie. But no, I'm sorry. The move of the weekend has to be um, between the battle between Vettel and Seb. It was just Vettel and Seb are the same person. They are the same person. What did I say? Vettel and Seb. They are. They are. Yeah. Dan and Seb. (laughs) Seb. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. No. And it was. And that was that was a real treat. So yeah, absolutely. I can see why that went away. So who missed the apex this weekend, Uh, Matthew? We will get to comment of the week. Matt Trumpets. Who uh, who missed the apex for you this weekend? 
Uh, sorry, you caught me distracted. I was trying to get in a comment from the chat room before we moved on. No, do that then. Um, and that was uh, Matthew Graff's thing of the week was Lewis Hamilton, more than an hour after the race was over, going out to engage yes, with Yes, I saw Mercedes fans. tweeted out that that the sort of phone video of behind the scenes of the photo taking opportunity. Now, I think he's been on it. He's been on it all weekend. I know some people were saying, well, let's credit all the drivers that do that. But, you know, I do think that he he does you know, seem to go above and beyond. And he genuinely loves it. And uh, he genuinely seems to be motivated and, and heartened by the fans. And it has to be said, the Chinese fans were fantastic as well. Uh, something about that part of the world, the Japanese fans as well, who, unlike Alex Van Gene, I see as distinct people um, who are separate and not just, you know, oh, let's just lump in all Southeast Asians together. Uh, but yeah, they have a different attitude uh, towards their fandom, an unashamed sort of, uh, screaming uh, excitement at these kind of events. Uh, yeah, let's go to Chris Stevens. Who missed the apex for you? Uh, it's got to be McLaren. Double Again, just DNA in general. <laughs> Alonso, they, mm. he had a good chance at points. Against all odds, he had a chance at points. Well, the second DNF isn't their fault because when Alonso's car gets overtaken in the lower part of the points, uh, everything just breaks down. That's, there's nothing they can do about that. That's very true. Well, now that Steven said that as his missed apex of the weekend, now I might have to put, I was originally going to go with Jeansy's tech because, I mean, obvious, right? And, but now your choice, how could you choose that when Ferrari's strategy with Kimi Raikkonen is hanging in the breeze about half an inch? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We brushed past that completely. He was the one person who was saying, yeah, my tires are gone. And they just left him out there forever and just be like, oh no, you can finish the race. He's like, no, I can't. I really, really can't. They were like, but the computer says you'll finish on on the podium. He's like, I'm not even going to be able to make the right-handed turns and stay on the track if you keep me out any longer. And they killed any chance he legitimately might have had <laughs> to be on the program by trying to split his and Vettel's strategy. That's true. Blackout19 says Stroll should have missed the apex because, you know, there was a Force India there. Uh, but Avangine, who missed the apex for you? That's I hilarious, have two, but I'm going to go for the one that's going to shock most people. Lewis Hamilton missed the apex because he now has a stupid nose ring that looks ridiculous. Oh dear, fashion Honestly, faux pas. Honestly, what is he doing? But no, the other thing for me was was those horrific, horrible Renault race suits. I have a real thing for race suits, but they were horrid. All right. Well, for me, the Missed Apex Award has to go to uh, the man getting his his chance at the big boy table, uh, Valtteri Bottas, his second race for the, the dominant team in Formula One for the past four years and just binning it under the safety car all by himself trying to warm up the tyres. And I say this as someone who means him no ill will, but that is a man that needs a result next week. I should imagine that that race cannot come quickly enough for that. Let's see if anyone's got an award for this. My nomination for this week's Pony Award for petulant behaviour has to go to Kimi Raikkonen with a basically a 60-lap rant about the, the state of his tyres. Were you clearly not listening to Max Verstappen whine on and on and on about Grosjean not being given yes. the blue flag? 
when he was three seconds up the road and the rules clearly state blue flags don't get thrown until you're one second behind the competitor he was like you must you must you must get him out of my way because ricardo might pass oh, me and they were like um the rules the rules max tell charlie charlie will do me a favor but um the rules please oh it was sad <laughs> it was it was so i, I mean, know his, you know level head mature thinker and then he sounds like my eight-year-old when she doesn't get her fourth dessert but the thing is like the even thing is, even if they'd got Grosjean out of the way you still got Ricciardo behind you nothing's gonna change and I don't think it, that wasn't the problem the problem was you had a faster car behind you Alex and Ricardo was right up Max's backside and wasn't complaining about understanding yes that's a very good point uh, does anyone else have no a... longer have a pony award because you two have nicked both of them Chris have you got one uh, I mean, uh, you for some of Alex's tech. In fact, in the slab group, somebody said, uh, Spanners nailed the disappointed dad face when Alex came back on the stream and cheered. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Uh, Matt, you've been observing the chat room uh, this week, a very, very well uh, populated chat room this week. If you want to find the chat room details, why not go to mistapex.com? What did I say? Mistapexpodcast.com. No one watched the live stream this week. God, it's terrible. Okay mistapexpodcast.com forward slash live stream and you will see a link there to the youtube channel and you just pop on there and you will see the chat room and join in uh, we have had you know between 30 and 40 people in the live chat this week uh, it'd be great if we could bump that up um, but the the, ch- the comments have been constant through there matt who has impressed you enough to give this week's comment of the week God, there's been so many good comments. There really has. My little scrolly thing is not working the way it's supposed to. That's okay. We need a better system for coming up with the comment of the week, because you're right, there has been a lot. While he's finding his comment of the week, um, I'll go back to starts. Isn't it, because Spanners liked this when I said this earlier, isn't it amazing how all of a sudden, so rapidly, Lewis's starts are good again? It's almost like it wasn't his his issue. Yeah, and you've got people like Damon Hill still, when they talk about last season, still saying Lewis Hamilton was weak on his start, even though, how many people does it have to come, how much evidence do you need before you accept that Lewis Hamilton clearly had a clutch issue uh, off the line last season? Well, we're also uh, waiting. Can I make a prediction for Bahrain? Mm-hmm. Which will be that Kimi Raikkonen will challenge for the victory. You shouldn't drink on these shows, Chris. It's unbecoming. And you just say ridiculous things like that. He's not going to challenge. Hear me out, my friend. No. Because Bahrain has been the hunting ground of Kimi Raikkonen in the past. And yes, he may have struggled with understeer quite sufficiently this weekend. But China is a front-limited circuit that will highlight such an issue. Bahrain, the complete opposite. Yeah. And it is also going to be the first proper test, I feel, of Ferrari's new power unit against Mercedes as it has four high-speed stretches and some lovely overtaking opportunities. So I definitely think he will at least uh, put a very, very strong challenge to Vettel, if not win the race. Right, I will I will take you on that money. I know you're a skint student or whatever, Fiver? but Fiverr, yeah, absolutely. F- Five in fact, here's my Fiverr to your Fiverr. Vettel out-qualifieds and out-positions, uh, barring a DNF, Kimi Raikkonen. Any okay, D- yeah. any D- DM and F and it's D- off. F's, it's off the board. Yeah. I'll say so that Raikkonen beats Vettel in qualifying yeah. in the race. So you nailed it. You said he's been really good there in the past. Uh, and that is where Kimi's talent is in the past. Matt, how are we getting on? I think we have it. 
I mean, and I just need to say, first of all, there were many contenders for today's comment of the week. But given the fierce level of competition, I felt we had to go with a proven winner. And that would be Blackout 19. Oh, no. Com- commenting Stroll should have missed the Apex yes. as there was a Force India there. Comment of the week. Matt, tell the good people where they can find you online. You can find me at Matt. PT55 on the Twitters, and should you need some reading material to distract your spousal unit while you watch your Grand Prix in peace, please visit spannersready.com or we missed apexpodcast.com now. Which one? Yes. Which one? Missedapexpodcast.com. And look for the link to Amanda Weaver's novels. Awesome. Find me at spannersready online. Follow us on Twitter at Mist Apex F1. There's another race next week. We have absolutely no time to wait. And now we know that we have a season to look forward to. So we'll see you after Bahrain here, 8 p.m. on the live stream on YouTube. Search Spanners Ready. And remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Mist Apex. I know Alex thinks that there's a chance I'm going to be angry with him, but to be honest, you know, I'm not. I'm not angry. I am disappointed. Just a little. You know, I did a whole tech video. I did a video on YouTube. And then they drive under the pit wall again. So did Giovinazzi, (laughs) right, when he crashed, he sort of wiggled off on the last turn. Did he then hit the pit wall on the way through? Is that how he no, went no, out? No, Ericsson went wide. Oh, Gio- that was he it, yeah. It. I think Ericsson came back up the cracks, scared the shit out of him. Yeah, Ericsson yeah, went yeah. wide, and then Giovinazzi went over the wet patch and lost it. Easily done. Yeah. Do, I've do you done it in a go-kart park. Well. park. It was I, terrible. I went through the quickest corner on the track, and it was uh, raining. I just touched the white line. And spun Chris, when car. you go park karting, when you go karting, do you make them paint the racing line on? Because that's what you have when you do Formula ah! One online. Ah! You, uh, whoa, 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 hang on. He Chris, races with the racing, racing line. the racing line. Yeah. No, no, only in the F1 game, because I can't be bothered to fiddle with the settings on him. <laughs> that's the worst excuse ever. That's not true. That's I no... barely even play it. I'm not going to spend okay, you know half, apex, half an hour. Apex? Yeah, but you can figure out the racing line within a Sorry. few laps, can't you? You start out no, on the edge, you, know we you come to sim, the middle. You know we call the racing line in our same group. We call it the Billy line. The Billy line. Billy's do. Unbelievable. And then why would you then post? Don't know what they're doing. Why would you then post that on social media? I just spat on my pop shield. Um. <laughs> but why would you post on Twitter a clip of you racing with the racing line so everybody knows what a billy you are? Yeah, when I play a sim racing game, I don't have the racing line on. Well, we've only got your word to take for it. In my experience, 100% of your racing is uh, with the racing line on, from what I've seen. I, I did a sim racing championship three years ago and came sick, so it was only 16 teams. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.